Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 in-store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. Ophewa, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Ali. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald and Fergus McFadden. Will, how are you getting on? Good, yeah. We're kind of at a, a little bit of an impasse in the World Cup a few days away from the Ru- Russia game on the Samoa game, so we can kind of pack the negative thoughts for a few few hours or an hour at least. Uh, we're going to be joined by Neil Francis in just a little bit to kind of assess where we're at the moment. Um, but first, I'm going to talk about... Your great win last weekend, Fergus, your return to, to action with Leinster. Did you enjoy it? Certainly did, yeah. Um, beating a team by 50 points is always nice. Uh, we certainly didn't expect that going into the game. But, uh, yeah, it was a good, complete team performance. I think some of the younger guys that got their chances um, really showed up well. Uh, so that was really encouraging for us. And a handy try for you in the corner. Didn't have to, I think, a one-yard <laughs> one try in the corner. That's it. Moving yeah, I don't know stuff. if I'll get any... Uh, <laughs> Any easier ones than that, but um, listen, you got to be in the right place at the right time sometimes. Uh, exactly, yeah. Do, do, you, do the wings practice much with Ross Byrne for those cross kicks because it's been such a weapon over the last couple of seasons? I know Adam Byrne, whenever I think I've seen him play, you see him always get a couple of good ones. Yeah, exactly. I was actually joking with Ross afterwards because I don't think he's given me one of those. And he's given every other winger around 10. So, uh, yeah, he put it right on the money and it was it was a nice one to get. But, um, yeah, it's a great weapon that he has and um, his younger brother certainly has it as well. So it obviously runs in the family. Yeah, and Harry Byrne got a nice try as well. Has the, has the rivalry started behind closed doors already? The next kind of great out half rivalry. <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, who, who knows? I'm sure it's uh, it's very competitive uh, back in the house. But uh, you know, as I think I said the last day, you know, Ross is obviously um, a bit of a season com- campaigner. The last f- uh, few seasons, you know, stepping up to the mark last year. Obviously, winning that game against Ulster in the quarter was huge, and just putting big performances together anytime he gets his opportunity so you know I'm excited for Harry uh, coming in at an early age and he'll just be a um, uh, a great tool for, for Leinster to have when the likes of Johnny and, and potentially Ross are away with Ireland 
Yeah, look, it's funny, since since you retired a bit early, you didn't get to experience maybe what Fergus is, because I was watching the match, listening on the commentary, and everything was prefaced with, like, veteran Fergus McFadden, or <laughs> the elder statesman gets off in the corner. As if you were, like... You were, you you were obviously, you were obviously driving that. You were, no, you were obviously driving that, Will. Yeah. <laughs> I was feeding the commentator lines. The last day I was in here, you were basically asking me, I'm in an old folks home. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like, cheers, mate. No, it was more of a stately, dignified Nelson Mandela-esque air. You know, oh, he's, well, he's a you know, friend uh, of the show, R.I.P. Oh, Nelson. All right, I see what's going on. <laughs> uh, I see what's happening here. Well, yeah, it, it, must have been for, it must be frustrating. You can't hear it at least. No, but you're like, look, the only thing is, it, like, there's a great, it's actually great being at that age because I think you feel like are like one of the older players in the squad because I think you can have a massive influence on them, particularly at this kind of time of the year um, and you become really, really important. But I also feel like, and, and for maybe you'll enlighten me a bit, I, I suppose I only got to, to 28, but um, I felt like the older you got, um, the more you really understood the game. And as you said, for your try, like you're in the right place at the right time more often than not. I know that's probably a bad example. <laughs> we were joking about it. But at the same time, for the rest of the game though, like it takes, say you come back from an injury, I found that was way easier the older I got. Um, I found like I started reading things in the game kind of a little bit earlier the older I got. Things like that. And you can have a massive impact on the game, I, I feel like anyway. Yeah, I think you, you definitely have knowledge that some younger guys don't have. But on the flip side of that, you probably have half a yard of pace that you had when you are 22 is probably not there as well. So you need to be clever about what you do, the positions you're in in defence um, and attack. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you finished up when you were 28. That was not far off. Like, I, you know, I felt, you know, 27 to, to 29 was, was probably a prime time, really, for, mm -hmm. I think, rugby player. That, in my opinion, that's what it is. And, um, yeah, disappointing for you to finish at that stage, considering, I think, how much you had left yourself, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, sure, it finishes when it finishes, really. I feel like I'm... Yeah, we actually haven't, we haven't mentioned that in quite a while, actually. No. Yeah, usually I get a bit of stick for it, kind of like, move on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like it is. It's a long it's, time it's, ago now. It is a long time ago now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty. How many years is it now? It's three and a half, yeah. Is it three it's and a half? 2016, that uh, final against Connacht was the last game, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. So maybe yeah, yeah. Not, over, not three, not quite three yeah, and a half. But yeah, think yeah, of yeah. how much the changing room has changed, you know, yeah. for where it is right now, yeah. you know, in terms of Leinster from... The, I'd the say the transition is quite interesting, the isn't right, it? Like, how do you mean? Uh, well, like, do you know when you when see... When you get older and there's younger guys Well, there? like, just even the crack, I'm sure. Like, I always remember, like... I'm making reference to musicians and you're like, Who, who's, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> who are you talking about, guys? Who's Tiger? But, like, no, leaving that aside, I do remember, like, there, we probably were the younger cohort who probably hadn't really experienced maybe the uh, amateur game, whereas a lot of the guys, the older guys, when we first came into the change room, had experienced a bit of that. There was a bit of crack in those guys. There was a few old campaigners who were like... Like Drico and Mal and all Yeah, them, and yeah. Dice, and like Ronnie that? McCormick, Blaney, those fellas. Will Green. Will Green. Like that was my first my first year of pre-season was I trained with a guy called Johnny Wickham, really <coughs> nice fella, and uh, Will Green. And I, I know, a weird group. Um, maybe it was a bit prophetic given my current size, but it was... <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it was unbelievable. They were kind of the season campaigners, Grizzly, um, you know, and they had seen definitely the other side of it where there was a kind of a, probably a big enough drinking culture where we probably got the end of that and then even towards the middle that had kind of nearly disappeared but I would say like has it even gone to a new level in terms of say like professionalism and all that oh, there's still space to have crack it's just you don't have <clears throat> as many blowouts as you used to there's no Tuesday nightclub to, to <laughs> coppers um, it's just different I mean the guys in school are almost uh, training as, as professionals as well mm. for the senior cup has gotten so serious and I know it was serious back when we were playing it, but um, 
you know, you fast forward 15 years and it's 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 twice as kind of professional, even at the yeah. school's level. Like some of the guys that you see that conveyor belt of Michael's guys that have come through, it's, it's because their coaching is extremely good in that school. And, yeah. you know, I don't know how many Michael's guys were on the field for, uh, you know, throughout the entire 80 minutes against the Ospreys, but it must have been an awful lot. Mm. So it just shows the standard of coaching. Um, it's huge for Leinster because, you know, you pick up those guys into, into the academy and with a little bit more weight on board and, and some more weights training and all the rest and a bit more knowledge under their belts, they're pretty much ready to go to play a pro yeah, 14 level. like someone like Scott Penny who came in straight from school last year and got like four or five caps. Like, are you surprised how quickly the young guys are adapting? Like, he's someone who did a leaving cert and a few months later was was playing for Leinster. It's a pretty big step up. Mm. Yeah, certainly. certainly it, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but it just wouldn't have happened back from where, like, Luke, in fairness, you came out of school and pretty much did it, but you were... Um, you were a bit of a freak and, and, and Rob Kearney was, was close behind you. Not many players were able to do that. And Kean Healy probably would have been able to do it, but he didn't get chances under Cheka. But these Even days, as a prop, though, that was yeah. like, yeah, it's nearly too hard. Like That's the one position I still feel like. Bar, maybe Porter actually might be a decent example. It's just... I think you just need time there. Like that's one that only. But I, I agree. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Like I just feel like the the preparation that the guys are getting now, like they're in a great position. You know, to to be able to just I suppose, like once you get like the little bit of training on your belt, you said a little bit of knowledge and kind of weights. Yeah. Like you're they're in a great position, and I feel like the training is getting better in terms of it's like it's filtered down. Um, Fran was just after to join <laughs> us there. Were you out marching outside the door? Were you or what's 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 with the timekeeping? <laughs> Green energy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Anyway, I know it's uh, a bit of a tough one getting across town at this time. Yeah, that's it, is it? Right. Yeah. yeah, what a welcome. <laughs> <laughs> in with a bang. Um, but we were just sorry talking about, um, I suppose, the transition in terms of, of the, the, the changing room in Leinster. And I suppose Fergus has been there, whatever, 10 years now. And I probably just left just before this new crop have come in. And it's just kind of amazing how many of them hit the ground running because I suppose the feeling amongst ourselves is that the training is just really, really good, getting better and better. And once they've had that little bit of time to transition in, like they seem ready to go after like very short periods of time. They're ready to go because they're pros. Hmm. Uh, like my my nephew was uh, playing for Black Rock for whatever length of time and he, I, I was scared at some of the things he had to do to, to get on the team. Hmm. You know, seven o'clock, I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, Still not able to do it, yeah, but it looks yeah, like yeah. <laughs> seven o'clock in the seven o'clock in the gym, mm -hmm. three sessions, three sessions a day, and just their mothers told exactly what to eat. Sure, I mean that's that's yeah. it's pretty standard now. So when they go in, like you see Scott Penny and you yeah. you see all these guys and they're just ready made pros. And uh, there's a few other guys I watched the Watch the A side there, and they're all they're all set, yeah, all ready to go. It's incredible. No, it is. It is. Well, we'll move on to Ireland's World Cup campaign in just a second with Fergus. One last thing about the Leinster match last weekend. I noticed in the second half, I saw someone on the wing, and I was like, "Who's this new young player?" And then I realised it was you without your headband. You, I, think, I don't know. It was a second half rebrand to compete with these younger guys. He tried to, you know, maybe a new look. Cause we we're just joking earlier on, Frano. He's been pretty much calling me an old age pensioner in terms of my rugby career for the last two weeks. So he's obviously trying to reel it back in with this yeah. comment. Yeah, yeah they, I just my headband came off at half time, and then. Uh, 
I just didn't put it put it back on for the second half. Simple. Fans were not yet. Yeah. Fans weren't happy about it. So yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> it actually has become. <laughs> you have become known for it. It's yeah. become a thing. Where's Willie John McBride? <laughs> How did it start? Was it the refs looking out for my foul play? Where's your man with the headband? <laughs> why, why did you Why did you start it originally? Why did I start yeah, it? Yeah. Was there any particular reason? Uh, why did you keep no, it? No, I didn't. I, I didn't actually. Yeah. I so I I damaged my ear against Cardiff. I think it was in like 2013. And in Joe's last year with Leinster, and my my ear got ripped off, so it like literally was hanging on by the 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 bottom part of my ear. So I had to get thirty internal and external stitches. So it's just it's kind of it's quite rigid. So if I get a knock on it, it just splits up there. So to save myself the hassle, I just stick on a headband. It's X-rated. Simple. Yeah, well, I'm sure a question and answer fans were interested though. The answer there there we are. Uh, and then we'll move on to I guess the World Cup lads, and we're kind of just past the halfway point and. I guess a lot of things say the same. New Zealand is still the favourite. South Africa is still ominously, you know, building. France are on the verge of another coaching revolt by all accounts. Uh, Ireland are coming towards the quarter final, and again, it looks like that might be the summit we can reach this time. But I maybe go around and first, like Neil, I know you wrote a piece last week, and it, it, it kind of sounded like you thought Ireland are kind of marking time until this quarter final, and that'll be the end of it. Do you still feel that that way? I don't. I don't write the. Uh, I don't write the headlines. Uh, <laughs> so a good headline now. The headline was... Uh, well, was the last line said yeah. to get a flight home. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was in there. I love those ones getting taken out of context. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. What's, what's, what's said was, was, uh, was meant. Um, it's very hard. Like, I mean, it'd be great if they just came home. If they came home after the Russian game and sort of then suddenly somebody said, OK, you have another chance. You can go back out again. And it's very hard... You, you go on a tour, you go on a Lions tour, you go on a on a World Cup. And when it, it's one of these intangibles where you just can't gauge what mood you're going to be in. Uh, and I, I think, you know, the scientific, maybe the lads might have a better read on it than me there, but the scientific strength and conditioning element to it where, you know, your strength and conditioning coaches can say, we're going to have the, the lads primed to be absolutely right by the quarterfinals or by the time our big matches. There's no exact science. You can't, you just can't gauge when a team is going to be all ready together. And I'd look at the, I'd look at that element of it and say, you know, physical fitness, there's an awful lot more to, to winning uh, a, a World Cup or, or, or doing well in it than physical fitness. And momentum, morale, confidence, and then just just clicking, you know. And and a pl- players just can't tell you like, uh, how did you just click, you know? I mean, if you look back to say 2018, you know, at the at the grant when they won the Grand Slam, even something like that first 40 minutes in Twickenham there. I mean, how do how do they do that? You know, how uh, it's just one of these things that you just can't put your sort of finger on it. So. They're in a situation where the graph is going in a particular way, and even if they correct it, you know, for the for the Samoa game, no guarantees that they'll do what a lot of people think they can do: produce, you know, a one-off. Um, so they, they've got a lot of things wrong, and and some of the things, some of the mistakes they're making, the unforced errors against against amateur sides there 
is that, you know, we got to ask, is it mirroring something? Like the amount of unforced errors that they've made, simple things, just knock-ons with no pressure, no pressure. Where's that coming from? And a team of this quality shouldn't be doing that. And if they are going ahead towards another quarterfinal where there's either a, an underperformance or a heroic loss, um, you know, that's not what we were promised. Mm. Uh, and I feel sorry for them because they have a very good chance of doing well. But and when the when the performance came against Scotland, you just sort of thought, okay, Jesus, he's 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 a genius, you know. So you just it's a, yeah. it's a roller coaster. Oh, you, yeah. you, you 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 come back from Twickenham, and then suddenly you think, okay, the two Welsh performances were were not bad, and then Scotland was pretty good. They were absolutely, you know, very sharp very focused, knew exactly what they were doing, and then fall off a cliff. Well, one thing Neil said there that I want to, I, I kind of said it, sent it to you guys before the show, was the preparation physically, because obviously in the last two games in particular against Japan and Russia, they they have struggled in the second period. You know, against Japan, they didn't score for a full hour. Against Russia, they you know they didn't score for half an hour, and they and they looked a little fatigued. And I know the S&C, Irish, the Irish team have, you know, expert guys. They went to Portugal for, a, you know, a week of warm weather training to maybe mimic some of the conditions. Uh, but do you think it's something there? Is is that maybe one of the reasons they haven't hit their straps? Is is it some sort of physical conditioning element that they maybe didn't get quite right? Because the conditions are so different to what they're used to. Look, I, I certainly think that that is playing a part, particularly for the unforced errors in that game. I know England really struggled there as well, um, just with the humidity on the ball. Um, what I would say is there's a few things, like, yes, you can prime people physically and they have a formula that works from a weights perspective, from a fitness perspective. But it's still, like from Fergal notice, and, and Frano I'm sure as well, like it's very different like training to playing a match. Regardless of professional or amateur, it doesn't matter. It's really, really difficult and almost impossible to simulate. When I look at the Irish team, I think a few things. I think there's probably some key guys there who've struggled to play, you know, consistently, um, you know, whether in Irish camp or outside of Irish camp. And that's a challenge, particularly if it's your playmakers, because they're the people who dictate tempo. That's where everyone else gets their depth. The whole team kind of feeds off these people for, I suppose, getting consistency um, around timing and just delivering on their jobs. Um, so those two guys have been injured for quite a while, and that's a big challenge. There's been lots of turnover there. Even the number two, Joey Carberry, at the moment, hasn't been getting in there. You know, he's been he's been injured as well. So um, I think that's a big challenge for them. Um, and I also feel like if you look at the timings of the seasons. They don't. They really, really do not suit Northern Hemisphere teams. They just don't suit them because if you're coming in playing a Super Rugby season and haven't played a Rugby Championship, um, you're tapering to go again, which is what you do during the season anyway. That's what they when they talk about priming people, it's because they have they use this system where they'll they'll you know the, the the sets and the repetitions that you do in the weight room will kind of you know diminish and they get smaller and it'll be more power focused for when you get closer to games and there'll be kind of like bigger loads to build up kind of strength reserves and fitness in the earlier parts and that's what they're talking about tapering and that does work right but usually you've got a base of rugby playing like you've played whatever it is maybe 10 or 15 games that season or you've played 10 games at least before November internationals most guys have played two games or one game in, in Johnny Sexton's case so I like think a Wales, lot of those things Wales are in a similar boat England are in a similar yeah, boat but Wales, they, look, Wales looked, they looked out on their feet against Australia in that last 20 minutes as well so I'm not sure and, and we know they're very very fit um, so I think that you know 
is it a case of, you know, the, the temperature having an impact on, you know, say Wales and Ireland? England haven't looked that way, but they've been on top in lots of the games. Um, well, France have definitely wilted now. Yeah, but we're not sure if that's anyway, the case yeah. anyway. But, like, look, that, it, it seems to be... It's hard to say without, you know, a huge amount of data with any certainty that that's mm. definitely what's causing it, the weather. But I would say, if I look at a few things, I would say that's that could impact the fitness levels. And from a team per performance perspective, key guys not being able to play in lots of injuries, um, you know, those things but, have a massive look, impact. Look, hold on, but look, look at the guy who has been a constant right now. And I'd, if, I, if I had a chance from God to, to, to get his engine, I, I, I just think Ryan... Hmm. Yeah. His engine, he he has the best engine You'd I've ever. You'd still be playing Frano if you had his engine. I, know, I would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> a phenomenal, a phenomenal athlete, and mm. his fitness levels are you know unquestioned. And you you watched him in the Japanese game. He could barely. He he was like Thompson coming off the pitch. Yeah. And you could you could see at the last two or three minutes of that game, there was nothing left. Mm. Absolutely nothing left. And then. Conversely, you look, and I, I think this is significant, is that if you look at Jamie uh, or Jordy Murphy, who was out of the squad for three weeks, gone, and then he, he has to hop on a plane, get your eight time zones, you know, the jet lag, whatever else, and he's the sharpest player on the pitch. For 20 minutes, now he, he mightn't have lasted. He might, might have only got... <laughs> it's hard to make a comparison with 20 minutes. No, though. but he looked he looked, he good, looked yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. sharp for the first yeah. 20 minutes. Now, that that's a bad sign that a guy who comes from out of the squad is your best player. And a lot of the time, you know, when a guy gets injured for two or three months and he comes back in and he's playing, uh, you know, he's playing the, top, or the, 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 the Pro 14 or whatever else, and they come back in and they look like a superstar. And... I'm just wondering, is is Joe flogging them? You know, he said they did nothing, you know, and I wonder what they did this week. What did they do this week? Did they do nothing? You know, because they just look like they're a tired team. Things, tired, are, things tired, aren't going well for them as well, Fran. Like, yeah. that makes it, it does, like, the win really goes out of your sails. Like, I mean, we've all played in matches where, like, you just, you just don't deliver. Things are going against you. You're making basic errors. Um, confidence like a, yeah and, and I think lots of things get affected like oh like you just can't get it like the other team gets uplifted because they're playing we're playing teams that aren't as good as us and when you're the team that's, that's playing uh, against you who are supposed to be killing you are playing crap like you, you get a massive boost from that you know so I, I think um, you know that kept the Russians in the game I thought Japan you know around the 10 minutes before half time 10 minutes after they really grew in the game because of all the errors you know um, and, and I feel like that that can play a part in it because you get it's really disheartening. All the hard work, and this Ireland team work very hard on, you know, making sure that they deliver on the game plan and are really, really accurate at lots of, you know, with lots of things. You know, the referee particularly is another thing. They lost loads of momentum and loads of things like that. It can have an impact, um, definitely. And I, I would say, I, I agree with you, it's really hard to get the timing right with these things. They, they do have a formula that works in season, but the start of the season is, it's really hard. Yeah, what's your read on the kind of the preparation element that we've kind of touched on? Yeah, I, it's it's hard to know. As Frano said, when you're not in the camp yourself, it's extremely difficult to put your finger on it. Um, and I'd actually say that the vast majority of the guys in camp are also wondering what it is. It's quite difficult when you're... We've all been in squads where you're in that rut and um, we just talked about confidence being affected. You're not playing like you were 12 months ago when people are you know, saying that you could have won the competition and now there's a chance that you might not be getting out of the group. Um so 
it's a tough space to be in mentally for the boys because you got to move on very quickly with you know after performances at a World Cup as well. And I think Michael Hooper said it after the Welsh game. I think it was he's, he he hit the nail on the head in his interview. They lost in that Welsh game and they were obviously would have liked to have won that game to try top the group. But he said, listen, it's a World Cup. He's been in before. He said it's a World Cup. We're going to just have to dust ourselves off and. Um, draw a line in it and move on to the, the, the next game. That's what you got to do with these competitions. And it's that's a fact, really. And I think that I hope the, the, the... I just hope the coaching staff with Ireland are doing that for the players so that, granted, we lose against Japan. No one is expecting that. I'm sure the team um, certainly didn't. But after that, you're just hoping that once, you know, Joe has mentioned a couple of lessons in the video analysis that he wants the guys to learn, that he's then trying to pick their confidence back up again because um, time is of the essence when you're over there and it's 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 key to to keep the confidence yeah, high. That's an interesting point. It's like Ireland are like a boxer that you know took a huge punch in the first round and you're kind of wondering whether they can actually steady their feet and get back to throwing punches themselves. You think back to the Six Nations, that shock defeat to England on the first day. I remember we had a preview, you were in here, and we all thought that Ireland were probably going to beat England and maybe beat them well. They couldn't recover in that Six Nations period. They kind of got worse as it went on. Do you think they can wrestle that back, or, or is that loss against Japan, even if they do go into the quarterfinal, you know, to lose that momentum, having got it against Scotland, is, is that going to prove fatal? Yeah, did, I mean, coaches are always, and players are always accused of overthinking. You know, did did we underthink? You know, for the, certainly the England game, you know, because we were so so badly outmaneuvered, you know, and outthought. Now, I played against Jamie Joseph, and lovely fella, but not the sharpest. <laughs> you know, knife in the in, in the drawer. How did how did they? I mean, they they particularly particularly from fifty minutes out. I mean, they they had us all ends in tactically. They were they. That Hopefully, was he a, doesn't tune into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kane Thompson could be turning up at your doorstep. He looks like a pretty big man. I'm not sharp, Rano, but yeah. I throw a good dig. <laughs> so I mean, they they have they have. Uh, the more the game came on, the, the smarter they were. Mm. They really were. I mean, quite apart from their commitment and their belief, tactically, they were way ahead. I think and Tom Brown is the... Tony, Tony Brown. Tony, yeah. Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony Brown, yeah, yeah. I think Tony Brown was the, is the kind of brains behind that yeah, operation now in terms yeah. of when they were at the Highlanders as well. He, he was he was due to come over here, I think. That's right. Very he, he, turned yeah. he turned it down. He turned it down after Matt O'Connor. I'd say he would have had a conversation with Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that Matt got the complete shot. Oh, but there's, but, uh, you know, there's, it's clear from the way that the Japanese play that yeah. they're, they're coached very well. Yeah. You know, no that, that's that, not just yeah. coming from them all being in different clubs and coming together and all of a sudden pulling together. They're... They're drilled very well. well they exactly what that's they're the doing. Sunwolves, that's the Sunwolves team. Exposure to yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah, no, they're, they're all playing together. Yeah. Uh, but how, how, do you, how do you reconcile a, a team that has won six out of 63 um, Super 15 games? It's who you're playing against, though. Yeah, isn't it? They also well, would like, drill like, a lot of the Summers players, the guys from the Summers. Yeah, team. To I know to train think, together, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I heard the story about them having been the most, having trained the most out yeah. of any international team this year. I, That's actually, fine. I, I've forgotten his name there. Who's the Who's the number six? He played number eight. Leach. No, no, no. Oh, Maffy. No, no, no. Uh, Maffy's <laughs> no, very good. <laughs> the the number six is a Henzo. Don't know. Sorry, he played eight in the last game. Was he played eight in the last game? Yeah, and six six against Ireland. He's. He is one of the best players that I've I've seen. He is a phenomenal player. Mm. Uh, Leach is outstanding. Leach is a good they're player. Both very yeah. good. Um, their he, back row is serious. Yeah, back row is very back good. Back three are good. Make a lot of good decisions. Like yeah. they don't, mm. and and they like 
they definitely play to their strengths. Like they've figured out what they are. And I thought they were actually quite good at nullifying some of Ireland's things. But what I would say, if you were playing against Ireland, there's probably a few things over the last couple over the last year particularly where you'd say, Well, look what England did for the high ball. That was a big part of Ireland's game. They just said, Well, we're just gonna run three or four lads back there because we know you're not gonna run it outside us. Mm. What we're gonna do is three or four guys or probably if it's an open side, five guys, but three so three guys are just gonna absolutely leg it at Ireland because they're they're not going to try anything off that from that ball from nine to the to the uh, to the forwards they're not going to try it yeah and you can see Ireland team up to try and bash through a team we're not really but like we don't we can't really bash through other teams at this level particularly if you double up in the tackle I'd be hedging my bets in, in those two areas I'd be saying Ireland aren't going to do anything different in those areas if we can stop them there they can't get out of their half well. We're going to get the ball back. And plus, we know that once they get beyond a few phases, they're probably going to kick it if they can't get by us. So if we can stop them at, at source, slow down rook ball, commit an extra guy in early. Like, I think if you look at South Africa, I was confident before, but what they did to New Zealand in that first 20 minutes, if you did that to Ireland, we'd really, we'd struggle far worse than New Zealand struggled. Just, um, you, sorry, go on. you two guys are, are sort of wingers there. Just the, the try that the Japanese scored there. Was there a lack of trust, or were they just out on their feet? Was that a preventable which, try? Which one? Oh, it's a hundred percent preventable. Yeah, the yeah. Which one? Fukuoku. Oh, try so, sorry. The 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 last try. Japanese Japanese against Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So the the try they scored to kind of go ahead was yeah. it at the end? Yeah, yeah. Three tries in the twenty-two. Three passes in the twenty, and, and a try in the, inside the twenty-two should never happen. Yeah. So nine to ten and a quick flip on should never happen. Your angle, the angle of the outside man. So I actually think so. Conor Murray cut slightly inside, right? He ended up getting onto the right man, but he, but all their angles, you need to start from uh, from in the passing channel to slightly outside. So Rob Carney should have been starting from slightly outside the second last Japanese defender. So basically, the pass can't rifle by him because he's in the passing lane, but also he hits the guy man and ball. Um, the angles were all wrong and also the line speed now it wasn't actually all Rob's fault because there was a guy in the inside I think it was Conor Murray got kind of he drifted slightly half decided I'm going to I'm going to hit this guy and slipped out onto the right guy late which dictates where Rob is standing but the the angles were all wrong there's no way you should get a 9 to a 10 uh, 9 to 10 10 to uh, to a centre and one more pass away two passes maximum it's a, it's a, it's a golden rule in defence now if you're on your line isn't it? Yeah I'd maybe think they there could have been obviously fatigue was probably a big element yeah, of maybe yeah, making yeah. decisions they wouldn't normally do but in fairness to the Japanese they executed they extremely did, yeah. well you know yeah. it really was there was slick handling and mm. that's one thing they do have yeah. with that expansive game plan it suits them because their handling is really really good yeah. you'd be very disappointed if that was you I watched I, I watched the whole of the Japan Springbok game mm. from four years ago and and, and they're passing you, you Sometimes your view of something is skewed if you would just watch the highlights, but if you watch the full 80, they're passing in that game. Excellent, it's just yeah. phenomenal. Mm. And they just cut the spring box to, yeah. to bits. They're good actually at that at all levels. I, yeah. I played in a tournament out there as a kid, like 17. I went out and played a, f a few weeks there. We played two Japanese teams out there. They're all like, they're, they do. They, look, it's great conditions out there most of the time. I know it was difficult in, in, in Kobe, but um, they're they're very creative. They play a really fast brand. Like, that's all the way through they the levels. To. They have, yeah, they mm -hmm. do, but they, their handling ability was brilliant. Like, we were kind of, now we beat them well in the end. We were able to kind of squeeze them out of the game and, and score a few good tries in the end. But they were very good, and they're handling, like, they can, they play a great game. Like, it's mm. very enjoyable out there. Do you there. think they beat Scotland? Yeah, I think, I think they'll beat Scotland. Yeah, I, we've had, we've I wouldn't this. have thought so before Samoa, yeah. but when I saw them against Samoa, we've got a coffee right now. Yeah, we do. Uh, <laughs> we do actually. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. if Jack O'Piper is refereeing, which he isn't, uh, but like if he was God. after after that crooked feed decision last weekend, which was <laughs> Jesus, so I'm bad. Sure. 
I think I remember Fernando described him as having the backbone of a chocolate eclair. I think after the England, after they play or you the New Zealand game a few years ago on a summer's day, <laughs> which I thought was one of your better lines. To be fair, he is so poor. Here we haven't talked about like Nigel Owens. Like I actually think he got the Argentinian one right for look. It's harsh, but it's definitely a red. And nowadays it's just a red. But the other two, the Sinclair one on the line where he's no arms and he's taken, like he literally just dives, you could take someone's knee out. You could That's nine months out of someone's career if they do an ACL. That's exactly what happened to Tommy Bow the last time uh, we played against uh, Argentina. Disgraceful challenge, like below the knee, no arms. And then there was the the high ball as well. Like it's not, it's not uh, a red card, but it's definitely a yellow card. He clearly took him out in the air. Like there was a few decisions I just thought he yeah, just it's, it's, and he got it was like oh, unbelievable we, refereeing it was fucking terrible. Yeah, we've had the same conversation pretty much every week. Just you know swapping a couple of new incidents. Like even had the double uh, spear tackle. Wony got one red card. You know, Milamu Umaga. That was a, that was a double red, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how you can go. Oh, he committed. <laughs> the two of them he committed more to it than the other. Yeah. Because you know I don't know who made that decision, but yeah. it's a, it's at least a, a red and a yellow. I think. Yeah. Or, or else I, it's two I reds. Think, I don't I see how one brief. of them does. Don't say one of them doesn't get penalised there. I think they're briefed on on the macro element of, of a game. So look, there's eighty thousand people here, sixty thousand people here, there's a couple of million people oh, watching they television. Be fat what? They couldn't be. The, I, I think that they have to be because they can't you, you know, sort of the, particularly with the Italian. Like that's what struggling enough. Yeah, yeah. So you so you can't and that was at a point where they were still kind of in the game yeah, yeah. they had a penalty on their like, South African line yeah. and then that's a yeah. double spear tackle for Mewden why not yeah like Conor O'Shea what he got a crass stupidity afterwards I think I was even being quite generous two bungalows yeah but even if they just uh, they, they don't seem to have you know the way about two hours before the World Cup starts they release a, a media statement saying we're we're going to emphasise this that you know the rock Offside. Whatever, yeah. whatever. And you can see it from the television. I mean, you're assistant referees now. And everybody can see it. They're offside. All day. And, and everybody's like, I was watching I was watching one of the matches there with a bunch of lads there. And I said, lads, will you shut up? I know they're offside. But every time, look, they're offside. They're offside. They're offside. And you can see the assistant referee knows they're offside. And he's not calling it. Now, sometimes it's behind his back. Sometimes it's not. And... I think sometimes the referees just sort of say, "Look, don't make a fool of me," hmm. you know. So don't 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 be calling into my ear. Just you don't want to fully affect the flow of a game either, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and 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 listen, as much as we probably don't think it, or the public don't think it, referees know that certain other referees have a reputation for refing great games, you know, really exciting games. That's because the way they ref the match. So mm. it comes down to that. So um, I'm sure they they're they're conscious. Not to be listening to their lino every two minutes about offside. Yeah, on, that, even on that though, but are you ruining the game? Do you see how well? So you see how much further Ireland. Remember they were kind of saying when they got a few penalties against. And I know a few of them might have been wrong or whatever, as Joe said, right? Um, but do you see when Ireland started getting on the back foot, it really allowed Japan to play because there was a, a message came on to say, "Don't go offside. The next person is going to get a yellow card or whatever. It's just give them an extra half a yard." That was the messaging on from that. From that, but like if you saw how much like Japan were able to actually play some good rugby off the back of it. So to my mind, I'm kind of thinking, like 
if you actually referee, if the assistant uh, referees just say offside, boom, and you just you, if you have to ping them ten times, if you have to give yellow cards, mm. just do it because it actually allows you to play. Sometimes once or twice in a match is enough as well. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, everyone yeah. Just starts going right. But like three was enough, four was enough for Ireland well, to say, it, right, we're just we're going to step it's back. It's significant now that, like in terms, of, and we shouldn't really be talking about it. We should be spending our time talking about play rather than mm. refereeing there. But there's nobody who's sort of saying I'm 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 cast iron certainty to referee the final. Mm. No referee has distinguished yeah, themselves. Yeah. Even the good guys have made some dreadful, dreadful mm. errors or errors of omission. And, well, and just to your point there, when you, you know, the referee thinking like, don't make a fool of me here, like the way they talked to the TMO, like Wayne Barnes talking to the, to the TMO for the double spear tackle, he was like, everyone agrees, yeah? And like when it's a barrister, like yeah. you know, sternly saying everyone agrees, yes. Like no one's gonna pipe in and be like, no, actually, like. But that's, that's wrong. Yeah, yo, but that's what's the point? Like, if you have an, you have an opportunity to look at three or four cameras, make a call on something because the play's gone on. So during that, you're kind of look. He, like they, they should be looking back at that. Like, you have to have someone who's calm and who's able to. Like, like I just think it's so important. I, I, I just feel like it's. We, I hate the way we, as you said, we have to talk about this stuff, but. I just really feel passionate that it's really ruining the game. Like, you just need some strong... Per- I'd, I'd respect someone if they pinged you off the park. I'd say, well, they were right. They got the call from the assistant. Like, you know, if you're getting it from there, like, just go with it. Don't be telling them... Like, it, because it's there's too much to look at in the game. If you look at what's going on in a rook now, trying to figure out who's on their feet, is, that, is someone on their elbows, did that person come off their feet? What angle did they come in? Is that person on the ground holding onto the ball? There's so much to look at in there and it's happening like that. Like I would much rather my referee had focus on that and had the two guys or girls supporting them on the touchline. Like that's the that's what you need. Like, know, it's the, too hard to do it otherwise. It's life-changing, particularly in a World Cup and the, and the just the, the, the scale of the decision you have to make. And mm. if, you, if you looked in the 2011 World Cup when you know in the second half, when the when the basically the the, the Kiwis were choking, mm. and the French suddenly realised we can win this, and Kano, I don't know if you remember it, Kano came in and there was, again, with three penalties in the space of one one minute there, and he was he was, uh, you know, the referee just sort of said, look, that is a penalty. You've just you've just committed a penalty, and there's another one, but I'm not gonna I'm actually not gonna give it against you because it's the winning and the losing of the game. Mm. And, the, and that is just fundamentally against the spirit of the game there, where, you know, New Zealand, they were just fanning out and they were offside the whole time, but there were four or five cast iron penalties and he chose not to give them. And that's a derogation of the game. You can't, you just can't do that. And you'll see it now, particularly in the in the quarterfinals now, there, there will be major mistakes made or penalties not given, and particularly to the tier one sides. And it, it happened in, in, in England, happened in New Zealand, and it's happened all the way back there where all the major sides, they always get it. They always get it, and New Zealand in particular. We could probably discuss referees all night, but just to move back to some of the on-field stuff, or maybe not even on-field per se, but just in terms of Ireland. Because one other thing I wanted to get you guys' opinions on, having you know, well, especially you two having played under Joe Schmidt, is his decision in a, to announce a kind of a year out from the World Cup that he'd be leaving after the World Cup has been also pointed to as maybe one of the reasons why the team maybe the standards have slightly dropped. Because even if it's only a five percent drop because of it, that's huge at this level. Do you think that does did have any effect, Joe? Kind of saying a year ago that he was going to step down. I don't think so. No, I don't think. Like if I was still being, you know, playing under him, I, it would it would wouldn't come into my psyche. To be honest, I know it's come up a lot and has been brought up a lot in the media, saying, you know, why did he do it? Why didn't he just say nothing until after the World Cup? But 
I don't know how much of a difference. I don't know if you could excuse some of the underperformances so far t- to that. Mm. Um, uh, you know, we said it at the start, and without repeating myself, it's it's quite hard to put your your finger on. But I don't think um, the loss against Japan and you know the mistakes and and as you say, the drop in standard against uh, Russia would be connected to that personally. Yeah. Yeah. But you're like... It's curious timing, though, because it's, it's, really it's, it's since he's made his announcement has been uh, since... The yeah, but you can't attribute, like... You just cannot attribute something like poor performances to something like that. I would be seriously concerned about people's personalities in that camp and their strength of character if that was a reason why you weren't playing well. Mm. Like... What, because you want to impress the coach? Like, who cares about that? I want to play. Like, you're living your dream at the moment. And this is the biggest stage. If you cannot be motivated to deliver on whatever the plan is, I'd be more concerned about what the plan is and the, and the strategy rather than who's going or who's leaving. Mm. Like, this is the World Cup. Like, forget about all that stuff. Let's. What's the plan? Can I deliver? Can I get in the team? What can I do to play better? What can I do to make the team do better? That's all that matters. Who's leaving or going? It's great for us to talk about, but it's a load of garbage. Flying the ointment there is is Andy Farrell's present. And he's going to be the new coach. And suddenly it's not Uno Duce, Uno Voce. <laughs> it, suddenly Andy's, Andy's there. And it, it might only have a small 10%. In terms of what, from what perspective though would that have, like, because he, he, he's been very, he'd be a big voice in there anyway, but do you think he's become bigger now yeah. and it detracts from Joe? Yeah. Hard to really? Know. Well, I'm, we're, we're not we're in the hotel. We're asking the questions. the questions. But I, I, think that's, I think that is a factor. I think yeah. you can't discount that. Mm. You can't discount that. I, I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised because I think he has a big influence in there anyway. Joe, like I don't think Joe would have. He would have been obviously integral and in a really key part in getting Andy Farrell, I'd say, on board originally with the, you, probably the view to to uh, having him come in after. Did I mean you were there, Luke? So just I mean you've gone to the dark side, so you might as well come out and tell <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell people. So in in two thousand and fifteen, so yeah. what what did he get wrong? And there were, I mean, you can't say well, I don't know because there were no, things. I, that I would, do yeah, know. Yeah. I do feel like I do know. Yeah. Um, he said he didn't pick you. Which yeah, well, that was a fair. <laughs> Sorry, that's definitely one thing That's he got wrong. Today. Sorry, that was absolutely something he did get wrong. Um, and I told him so, and um, I was right. But uh, leaving that aside, there was one other thing. Five really top players got injured the week before. If you took five top players, and so we're talking Johnny Sexton, Peter O'Mahony, Sean O'Brien, Paul O'Connell, and Jared Payne. If you took Conrad Smith, Dan Carter, uh, Kieran oh, Reid, yeah. McCaw, and Retallick out of that New Zealand team, that would have had a massive but impact. So the, that I, honestly, we don't talk about that enough. Well, Joe has got no. Joe has got serious abuse for that, right? I actually don't. I think he he got it really spot on. I would say one thing in terms of improvement, but it's been mentioned, and, and I know the players did mention it to Joe after the last World Cup when they were going through the the bones of it and picking through it. They definitely could have had a bit more fun and it could have been a bit more relaxed at times. But genuinely, I really believe that was the reason why they went out. Well, that's something I've written down. Has Joe learned from 2015, underline too intense? Like, do you, like from what you kind of have seen, from what you've heard from the lads saying it, from the way they look, you know, body language-wise, the way they're playing, do you think that Joe has learned those lessons? Like, do you think he did? T- I think they look like they're having they're having a bit of fun out there. If you look at social media, we get got a lot more access nowadays than, than you normally would. They look like they're enjoying being in Japan. They're enjoying the downtime. They're, they're trying new things. They're spending time together, which is a big kind of thing. I would say as much as we can actually know, like, because it's very hard to say with any certainty, um, 
it looks like they are. They're, they're getting out there. They're enjoying their time out there because it's really important when you're out there because these guys have been together for three months training. Like to get, you know, and you're away from families. It, like it is, it's difficult enough. And then you've got another two months to go in Japan. So you do need to enjoy it, right? Um, the big thing is that they're not playing well. Like every, how much better does everything look when you're playing well? Like it hasn't clicked so far. Um, and I would put it down to those things I mentioned earlier on um, about kind of key guys, you know, not being able to play 80 minutes, you know, um, and, and having not played that much with the team. That has a big impact on how well the team plays. Um, I would say it's hard. Like we're saying, oh, is he getting the stuff right off the field? I would say he is. But the stuff on field hasn't been going right. So that's probably what impacts a huge amount of it. But I mean, I don't, do you, does any of that make, what, do you agree or disagree or? Yeah, I do, I suppose, somewhat agree. Um, I just hope it's going to be the flip of 2015, really. Um, because in the group stages, we were flying in 2015. I know we kind of, that wasn't a great French team. We won, uh, you know, Mad stepped in at 10 after not getting that much exposure there before the tournament and played well. And we beat them. Um, and top the group, but uh, the Argentinians did come and they, they kind of beat us comprehensively in that quarter. So, and you know our our tails were were high running into that game big time, and um, the hopes were um, certainly there as well from the country. But I don't know. I think realistically, I think we're going to make we're going to make the quarter come second. I think the Japanese will come first. And as Frano said at the start, <clears throat> we can pull. Um, we do have the ability we've, we've got too many good players not to be able to believe that we can pull that um, one-off performance <coughs> out of the bag we can do it but <coughs> the disappointing thing is that the last few performances point, would point towards us not being able to do it for three games and I think with the group that's over there you know it would have been please God they proved me wrong but you know we, we were all ambitious for them to go on and, and potentially lift the World Cup for the first time or get to a final, but it's kind of hard to see that happening now. Yeah, I guess between the three of you, I think you've been involved in five World Cup squads. Like none of them ended with real distinction, unfortunately. Like, do you think? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the distinction? I guess. Well, we all got to the same place. Yeah, no one got past the quarterfinal anyway. Uh, Neil, like, do you think, are, they, are they connected? Do you think over the years? Do you think there's something about Irish rugby in the psyche of the way the national yes. team are? Yes, absolutely. We're not good cup team. We're not a good cup team. If you look at the Six Nations, it's a league, and you know we perform well there. We're good at one-offs. But this is a cup, and once okay, there's a group, but really that's a formality. Maybe not so much as you know everybody expected, you know Ireland, mm. Scotland, Japan, and it has the you know the purpose now of well actually, there you go. Don't take anything for granted. But we're not. We're just not good cup, and it's hard to explain it because if you look at uh, if you look at the, the teams that are contenders, New Zealand know exactly what to do, and they're prime for it. And you can you can just see them just bubbling up, bubbling up, and then suddenly it cuts it cuts to the to the knockout stages there, and they are absolutely geared to win those. It was games. twenty years though where they come they were worse than Ireland were almost in terms of choking at World Cups or, or you beat really, me too, yeah. Really, yeah. Like they had five World Cups where they completely collapsed. Well. And that's why it, it the, 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 there, there is hope in the, in the sense that if you go back to, say, that match in Cardiff, which was just fantastic, and Dusatoire, you know, with, you know, 500 tackles, and 
you know, but they, they lost, you know, they lost Carter. Everybody, you, you talk about, you analyse that game and you just see, but it was put up to them. And can Ireland do that? Yes, they can. Uh, but, I mean, I'm just talking to a few of the Kiwis there. They, they think they're going to win. So they have it already that Ireland and, and, and New Zealand are going to be playing together and they're going to beat us by 20 points. So it's already, it's already started. Mm. So, but I'd be quite happy and I, I put my put the pen down and if they if they won a quarterfinal I'd be happy January I mean you know sort of a year ago not so much but mm. but now and that's maybe the, the public's perception of where this team can go look just just win a quarterfinal please just <laughs> and you can you can wander off into the sunset and get thumped by by Wales you know in in, in the semi-finals uh, all I, all I want is that the team that they get to a, a, a quarter final and they max out they play their best game and if they're beaten they're beaten mm. uh, but you know I, I just think that we can't the way we play we can't get over you know a week later a, a huge performance mentally that's that's where we are and we don't seem to be ever able to to learn from it and you look at we always have one big performance and then goes flat so you beat you beat Australia in the pools in New Zealand you beat France in the pools in England and like we haven't beaten Scotland I, I don't think we've had a big performance yet and it, it, it could be coming it could be coming yeah what do you think about that notion about Ireland at World Cups yeah I don't I don't disagree with a lot of that actually um, you know I think there was definitely you know a few occasions 91 against Australia was one that probably got away Um I would say the Argentina one. I cry once a, yeah. once a decade when I see Put that. it out, Saunders. I <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> put it out. Um, but yeah, like there was a lot, you know, there are definitely a few occasions where you say, you know, the performance definitely dipped and the team didn't perform to their potential. Um, but I really don't think you can say with any kind of certainty that there is something in the psyche. I just would think that, like, if you look, there's probably. Out of those, maybe, is it five of them that we've been in the quarterfinal? Five? Six quarterfinals. Maybe six, yeah. sorry, excuse me. Like, there's probably two or three of them where you say they didn't perform to their potential, whereas the other ones, I think the other teams were probably better than us. Um, so you think on the balance of probabilities, you probably would have lost them anyway. So, uh, or you should have lost them at least. So um, I think what, what, what has changed in the last couple of years and why it's been so disappointing that we haven't been able to progress is that we've seen a real a certain level of consistency. We've seen a certain amount of success that we haven't seen before. You've had, you know, Grand Slams. You've had two in a row, uh, which is pretty unheard of for, for an Irish team in Six Nations in terms of consistency. Um, I get the point around having a massive game and probably having to reproduce it straight away. Oftentimes you'll get a bit of a break in the Six Nations or whatever. But uh, leaving that aside, we've seen, you know, two New Zealand wins. Uh, we've seen wins in South Africa, Australia. So we've built up this expectation over the last, I'm going to say last 10 years really, where the team has actually been performing relatively consistently um, amongst the elite. And I think that's what's disappointing. So I would say I would agree with Neil. I think given what's happened in the last year and, you know, so far, a quarterfinal, are they, have they got the potential to, to get up for one game? I refuse to believe that this team isn't capable of doing that. I think there's too many people who've tasted success and are quality players. I do still believe in the coaching staff, even though I feel like there's a few tweaks I personally make, but that's hard for me to say sitting on, or easy for, easy to say on the touchline. Um, 
but they definitely could do it and I would be very sad I think if they got a quarter final at this point you'd say it'd be a massive result but I couldn't see them even if they had that one massive lift I couldn't see them getting back up for the week I, after I so. think they've got to do a Waza I think they've I think he's got to drop somebody really uh, yeah I, I think and I, I don't think he played particularly w brilliantly um, some something like McGrath for Murray Really uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense but you know the way like I mean just a, it's a bit like how do we say it in a in a in a say there's an, an attacking uh, an attacking back play and somebody drops the ball and everybody you know so it doesn't knock it forward but drops it and everybody kind of just thinks okay moves over and then how many times have you seen a try where you know, a ball drop or something unexpected happens yeah. and then you score a try. And I, I just sort of think if Joe did a little bit of tinkering and left, got got his combinations right, he's, he's, he's decisions to make 12 and 13. Mm. I think he probably has decisions to make at, at maybe maybe at nine and his, and his back row. He's, he's got to do something, you know, Maybe, you know, maybe Ruddock instead of Omani. Just one of these. What about the, Hooker? Has anyone t like, what yeah. do you think about Hooker? I think... I've been banging this drum yeah. for a while. You've appreciated yeah. you know from yeah, yeah. <laughs> where I'm like, I, yeah. yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. I think uh, he's just, I think he's just too important. So just play, you play him for 40 minutes. I have to say, I, I thought he was brilliant against, uh, against Scotland. His best now, I thought he was brilliant against Scotland. In terms of what, what did you, what what did he do that was great? Uh, in the last fifteen minutes, he was still poaching. He was still carrying. He didn't get. Did he get a penalty in the last fifteen minutes? He did, yeah. yeah. And so. his darts were good, mm. strong scrummager, and but you, but you just you just know it. Like I mean, having somebody like him, you know, on the sort of the Wednesday beforehand, dressing room, hotel, and he's in. If he's out, you know, you just don't pay any attention to him. You know, once you're out, you're gone. What about Scandal or Cronin though? Like I don't see. So they always the, the argument always of Cronin is that uh, is is the throwing thing, but I just don't see any difference between the two of them in that respect. Um, particularly if you look at it over over a long period of time, he do, he, do, um, he doesn't seem to start well. He do, but he plays brilliantly for Leinster. He's he got did, loads of tries yeah, at the start of games. Yeah, but, stuff, Leinster, yeah. but what about Scandal even as a like? I'm just looking. I'm just thinking. Well, Thirty seven years old in the yeah. heat. I'm like. We have two guys who are actually playing. Scandal actually didn't have a great last couple of seasons. but uh, Someone said to me at the weekend, and I actually thought it was a very funny point, if someone's saying they're retiring after the World Cup, it means they literally can no longer play rugby. <laughs> after the, so you're, you're not exactly in your peak at the World Cup if you have to yeah. retire immediately afterwards. <laughs> I think it's it's vitally important to have them just even yeah. 40, 40 minutes yeah. and then give the armband to Johnny. Mm. I, I think, I think Why you don't have just to give it to Johnny at the start? I don't... Uh, because, yeah. Johnny, because Johnny runs the show anyway. anyway yeah. Mm. Uh, but just in terms of your pack and your dressing room and your preparation and your... You think, definitely. Everything. Well, it's interesting, yeah. sorry, because I, I, I think obviously clearly think differently about it, but um, I just feel like the uh, the value add around the pitch just isn't there. I don't see the poaching thing uh, well, as much. I, I think there's a, a leadership deficit. That I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I think yeah. particularly in the back line, I would say in the forwards, if Reese Ruddock is playing, uh, I think James Ryan is really turning into one of those kind of leaders. I would say Pete O'Mahony as well, but they're not, it doesn't look like they're going to play Pete and and Reese. It seems to be it's one or the other. Yeah. Um, 
I think De- I, I can agree with you on that po- on that point absolutely I think in the backs they look very much without a leader if Johnny's not playing I think I think it's a big concern. I think he needs a, 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 either a, a, a dynamic or a catalyst and he's got to tinker and do something completely different because mm. if we you know I'd, I'd love to I mean the, the team that finish off against England or the team that beat New Zealand I mean Marmion was playing in that game like Murray was mm. Murray was nowhere mm. so he, he has this an amazing Ability. I've said it time after time there, when Ireland win against big teams, the whole team plays well. When they, when they lose, nobody played well against Japan. Nobody. Oh. Everybody played well against, against Scotland. And he has this amazing ability to get everybody to play well. And maybe he needs to tinker because we're not sure that uh, they need to play well against Samoa, put them away well, and then... See if the Kiwis can beat us by 20 points. <laughs> well, let's just wrap up when we just go around the table and, and see at this juncture, like, who, who's your favourite to win? Is, is it New Zealand for you? I know you thought South Africa before the tournament, but now at, at this time? Uh, <clears throat> it's probably a coin toss between uh, New Zealand and England. I think England uh, were looked... I know the, the Argentinians got a red, but they did look very impressive in that match. Mm. Uh, they've been building pretty nicely. Um, they've got a few combinations they can even throw in there with an injury. Vinopola could be out, it looks like now. Billy Vinopola? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could could he, they don't actually have a... Okay. They don't look like they have a, a, another specialist eight out with them, do yeah, they? Yeah, Underhill plays for And Bath. Wilson as well. Yeah, but he Wilson. plays mostly seven, doesn't he? Yeah. He does, but he's yeah. played number eight for Bath. He does Has play he, so he can play, yeah. yeah. But it's in terms eight. of a specialist, though, they Mark don't have Wilson, a specialist I'd say, will be eight. Would he be, yeah? yeah, yeah I'd say yeah, that's where I'll go That's a concern for them. Billy Vinopola would be one of their biggest losses, obviously, besides Owen Farah. But if he's not declared injured, I think it's... You know, at the moment, going into the quarters, it, you'd have to say New Zealand or England for me. Luke? I couldn't argue with that. I still think New Zealand. Um, I think Retallick's back now. That's pretty telling. Um, I look at every great team and they just seem to have a, a second row pairing. Like every great team has a, a brilliant second row pairing. And I just look at that New Zealand second row pairing. And I like South Africa's, I like England's. But I just think those two guys are a different level. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think New Zealand, they've got it in the engine room. And the guys out wide, I mean, whether they play, I mean, Rico Ioanni can't even get in the bloody team. That's pretty telling. So, uh, yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, I'll give you the last word. I think Murad Boujelal will come out, coach France to, <laughs> to, to glory. It's, it's like Dallas without the oil. Like it's, just, it's just fantastic. I've, I feel sorry for the French guys because they, they haven't a chance. Uh, I th- yeah, England, England will top that group easily uh, do you not think the French will be tricky in a, in a quarter though against yeah. the, whoever, against Wales I'd be playing Wales play them, you just don't know what you're going to get yeah. Yeah. you don't know what you're going to get from them and the one thing we do know from the competition so far is they will tire in the last 60 but some of the individuals they have and the, and the tries they can score when they do get it together yeah. they take a big lead and I mean uh, it won't be an easy game for whoever they play but I you know it's like it's New Zealand. If they could get a coach, they'd be pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> New Zealand's to New Zealand's to lose, and who can come up with a plan to kind of upset them? Um, you know, they're not back row is just about kind of right. Kane's back in. I'm amazed he made it back. Oh. Reed's back playing well again. Savea's force of nature, but not the most intelligent guy in the world. So they're not sure about their props as well. How how kind of clever they are how durable they are um, 
So if somebody can come up with a plan, everybody knows how to figure us out. You know, can we can we figure New Zealand out, assuming we get them? But I just think their overall game. Uh, Mongus is one guy that you know when the heat comes on. Like uh, I'd love to play at out half for the Crusaders every week. I'd look fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, he doesn't come under any pressure. Um, so they 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 do have weaknesses and. Um, they were good enough. I mean, I thought they had plenty to spare against South Africa in the in the pool game. Uh, so, sem- that that semi final, whoever wins that semi final between New Zealand and um, England, I think will will win it. And I'd back I back New Zealand to do it unless somebody comes up. England come up with a plan. Eddie Jones, you know, no better man. Yeah, upset yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So, but. Uh, yeah, New Zealand to go, but uh, hopefully Ireland give them a scare of their life or more before they go that far. Yeah, please God, please God. Well, I still think Scotland might 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 do us a favour. They've broken my heart before when I've called it, but uh, I wouldn't rule out. I was top in the group yet. Well, an exciting weekend and a couple of weeks to come, lads. Thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing in association with Ali. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the World Cup action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school.